I'm one of these painfully optimistic people that is probably very irritating to some where everything has a purpose, right? Even if it feels like a kick in the teeth at the time, it has a purpose and it's meaning to send you in one direction. I really, really believe that. So I don't think I'd change anything. I suppose it's some sort of main takeaways, I would say, from sort of the latter part of my career is very much being open to if something doesn't necessarily work for you right then and there, being open to suggest how it could work better for you. Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus. I have set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme because I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children in a way that works for you and your family. Today's guest is Geraldine Butler-Wright. She is a genuinely, really, really nice and interesting person to have a conversation with, and I've loved our chat. She is a senior leader mentor on the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, so she mentors some of our fellows, and in her day job, she is a chief people and culture officer at Healthily, in addition to tons of other roles that she's holding um, on top of that. The reason why I think the conversation is going to be so useful for you is because I have conversation frequently with some of our fellows, with other parents who are thinking about changing sectors and changing careers. And I guess at the moment, the environment is such an important issue. And many of our fellows told me, I want to shift to a career that is focusing more on the environment, but I just don't know how, or perhaps individuals from the private sector saying I want to work in a charity I want to have more purpose and likewise individuals from the public sector or charity saying I really want to work in the private sector I want to experience what it's like I want to see and learn directly from those environments so I can apply it in my career in the long run and Geraldine is someone who has been there done that she has changed sectors several times so she's a real veteran in moving across between different sectors and she is very very generous and most importantly very honest about how she managed to do that and what she has learned along the way which I have really appreciated personally um a big big congratulations on this note to all the fellows who have joined us last week. I know a lot of you are listening to this, so I just wanted to welcome you again. And I really enjoyed meeting you all in the last week and just getting to know you a little bit and understanding what you want to get out of this fellowship program. Myself and my team, we are super passionate about helping you all to develop your dreams for your careers and family lives and helping you to achieve them and we already loved the conversations that came up in in the different small groups from how to say no when everyone wants something from you and and all the way to talking about your uh, your dreams and and how you might choose your next big job so yeah really really warm welcome to the fellows uh, who are listening and a big thank you if you are listening to this and want to consider applying for the next cohort then please go to www.leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest so you can if you register interest there we can let you know when applications open for the spring fellowship next year i've decided we will have only one cohort because i'm working on an 
additional exciting project which will spend the latter half of the year on so if you want to participate then it's worth getting your name in early on at legisplus.org.uk forward slash register interest and it's for anyone who has young children from baby to primary school age and who wants to combine an ambitious career with that a big thank you also to everyone who has responded on the survey about whether or not to move the Leaders with Babies name for the podcast to Leaders with Children. I think we might end up with the latter, but um, the poll is still open if you want to contribute. So I really hope you enjoy today's conversation with Geraldine and I. So a very warm welcome, Geraldine, to the podcast. I am so thrilled that we get to have this conversation. And it was one of those where we just started talking and had a really interesting conversation. And then we remembered we should probably hit the recording button um, to continue the conversation online. But for, for the listeners who don't know you, why don't you start with introducing yourself, who you are and what you do for work and who's in your family? Sure, sure, sure. Well, I'll start my introduction. Hi, Verena. I'd love to actually sort of meet you in virtual person after many emails back and forth after the last few years. I'll start off on a very personal note. So I'm a mum to firecracker toddler Aurora. I'm a mummy-to-be for a little boy who's due in March. I'm wife to a very patient husband, James, daughter to an extremely charming Irishman in his early 80s and sister to a wonderful brother who helped raise me, and also uh, mama to our bonkers dogs as well, our first children. Professionally-wise, I'm Chief People and Culture Officer, I should say, for Healthily, which is a self-care platform with a mission to help a billion people find their health through self-care. I'm also, of course, a mentor with Leadership Plus, which I've been involved in the in the programme for the last year and absolutely loved it. An advisor with Antler VC, a strategic advisor with an onboarding platform called Kahome, and just become a trustee for the US Embassy Pension Scheme in London. So I'm, I think I'm probably the busiest I've ever been in my life and absolutely loving it. I sleep well at nighttime slash pass out. <laughs> so very, very fully engaged in life at the moment. Yeah. And we just talked about it before we came on air that actually having children, it does make you more focused and it just cut out the faff and you know what you're focusing on. You don't have time to get involved in anything that doesn't matter. Interesting. So practically, how do you, so do you work full time? Do you work part time? How does it practically plan out doing all these things in, in your yeah. day? So I'm full time and a daughter is in nursery from nine until six each day, Monday to Friday. And I'm very fortunate to work with an employer that is very flexible. They Pretty much as long as I get on with doing my job and do a great job, they're absolutely fine. So how I actually organize my day and fit everything in is down to me, which I love that freedom and that progressive mindset of an employer. And I just fit things around, right? So, you know, the other roles that I I take on are, you know, voluntary. So I make the time, whether it's sending an email, you know, when I find five seconds at lunchtime or, you know, having a bit of a later evening call. I just kind of make it work. And if it can't work today, there's always a second chance and it's called tomorrow, right? So I think it's finding as well people to be or organizations to be involved with that welcome that fluidity in how to get things done. As long as you get it done, 
fab. That's great because you're a grown up, right? So I wouldn't do well in a very rigid environment. And I'm just doing really well and happy being in an environment where I have the freedom and the responsibility with getting on with having a fulfilling and happy life, which Mm. is sort of the ultimate that I could possibly want for. Inspiring. I want to pick up on the full-time, part-time discussion because I think it's such a philosophical thing. So many, when I speak to people, I find that, you know, quite a few of our fellows get told by their aunties or grandmothers or grandfathers for that matter. Well, you know, I'm sure now you want to work part-time, you have children. Did you feel any of that pressure? Oh, yeah, for sure. But even this time around in pregnancy, I get asked the question, so you're still working? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's just alien to me. I mean, ultimately, it's down to the individual, right? What feels right for them? Maybe being a full-time mom, which I think is, in, um, I can't even imagine how tough, quite frankly, that is for me. That would be really tough. If that's for you, that's for you. Everybody is different, whereas some people, they might like to blend work and being a, a mom or maybe just being full-time as I am. I think, you know, it's a case of we've got a really good setup with the nursery. It's very close by working from home. Oh my goodness. That has just been a godsend, quite frankly. And quite frankly, I think a, a silver lining in some ways to the horrific pandemic the globe has suffered, it has enabled employers to realise that actually people can work from home, be really productive and have a life as well. So I think that scenario has made being a full-time working mum far, far more possible. But certainly, yes, you know, there's kind of the, the presumption that, you know, you need to take it easy now that you're pregnant or you, you know, you'll be staying at home more, right? And it's maybe it is right for some people, maybe it's not, but it's not for me mm. to be. I love being full time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I actually never thought I was going part time mm. until, well, actually, I shouldn't be talking about my partner on the podcast. I think <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so we had a discussion and we talked about it, and he was quite keen. I think he's definitely a feminist, but. Yeah. Anyways, so I guess we came to the conclusion that we both go four days a week, which I think is a really good solution and and it makes certain things easier. So yeah, today our daughter is sick again, but it means I can still work without having to have a headache of figuring out who, you know, how we're doing shift work of looking after vomiting children because he is with the kids today. So he's doing all that. So that's actually worked quite well, but I really, I like to work four days a week and I, I personally want to work less just because it's also really hard work to look after children really really hard right and you you choose your hard as well I guess so it's saying well for some other people working full-time or part-time may be hard because they really want to be with their children for full-time so keep going back to it's the individual preference and I think that's that's where society to get very big about this we just have to back off right what other people choose to do with their life is their business but out right they've got all these different things that they're trying to juggle probably beyond childcare as well now so you've got to do what's right for you and your family um it's funny growing up I always presumed that once I had children, I wouldn't work. Like that was what my mom did. And that was what my parents' friends did. So that was it. And actually it was only until I found myself until very recently, you know, thinking about having children, being in that situation where it's like, 
no, <laughs> that's not going to be right for me. And then making the decisions accordingly. And I think on a very personal basis, it it does make me personally a better mom because I'm using a different it's different skills, different my brain in a different way. And I'm feeling very fulfilled as an individual mm. to then be the best kind of mom I can be for my daughter and hopefully to inspire her to do what she wants to do, whether that's actually being a full-time mum in the future or part-time or who knows, Mm. but it's having that choice and and going with it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's very powerful. So I actually got challenged recently by some of our fellows who said, you know, the people who are on your podcast, they're all so inspirational and they look like they've every, got everything together. And you sound really, I love how happy you sound with the, you know, with all the different things that are on your plate with, and obviously being pregnant, which most of us, we feel pretty exhausted <laughs> quite a lot of the time and having a toddler. And I'm sure a very supportive husband. So, but have you had any moments where you thought, hmm, this is too tough. I'm not going to do this anymore. And how did you deal with that? I mean, I regularly feel like, oh, hang on. I've probably stretched a bit thin here. But there was a critical time when I became a mum where I made a choice. And it was the third day, that magical third day after having a baby where your hormones are going nuts. And I was quite a control freak before. I was always in control of everything and what was going on. And I'd often overcommit us to doing things. And, you know, yeah, let's just try and cram everything in and everything will be fine. It'll work out brilliantly and blah, blah. And I remember just being in our kitchen and we couldn't get out of the house. We could not mobilize ourselves, the baby, there was nappy changes. I was breastfeeding. I just was like, and I just became completely overwhelmed and burst into tears in my husband's arms, sobbing in the kitchen. And I kind of gave my head a wobble and thought, okay, well, I've got some choices here. I can either try and control everything and make myself really unhappy and feel like I'm failing all the time. Or I can just let go and do what I can do and do the best I can. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't, don't die in a ditch about it. And my husband has a brilliant phrase that is, uh, you know, those who matter, it won't matter for. And those that for which it matters don't matter. Right. So it's it's really effectively at that point as well, editing things in your life and people in your life that will make a big fuss about if you do get something right or you don't get something right. Right. There was that mental shift and suddenly I just felt free and it sounds very dramatic and, you know, all perfect, but I really did for the first time in my life feel free. I didn't care about what other people thought and I just had to get on with what we needed to do and see what happened and let go of control. And it has opened up a whole new world to me. It really has and given me a whole new level of happiness that I certainly didn't have three years ago. So that would be a definitive moment in my life. Mm. That's very powerful. Thank you for sharing so openly. I'm in a book club and I read this book by Christine Neff, Fierce Self-Compassion. It's mainly aimed at 
um, it's mainly aimed at women, but I think it's relevant for everyone. And the whole idea is that actually sometimes you need to be really bold and brave to be self-compassionate. And exactly that's, it sounds like that is what you've done by just saying, no, it's fine that, you know, it doesn't matter what people think of me. And I think that's a really powerful, yeah, it's definitely a very powerful moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you make it fitting. Sorry, it's fitting your own gas mask first as well, and not being ashamed of that. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. That, that is that, and that's a huge learning curve for women. And I was a massive people pleaser. That's probably how I ended up going into HR, right, and recruitment because I like to see people happy and making them happy. And you're not going to make everybody happy. And you know what? That's fine. And to be incredibly dramatic about it, there's this sort of filter I have, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've upset that person. And actually the filter is, will they be thinking about me on their deathbed on this specific instance? Probably not. Okay, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, just let it go. Do yeah. I quote Frozen, which I never thought I would do on a podcast. But I, find, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I find Frozen actually quite inspirational. My daughter <laughs> loves it. And so I had taken upon myself to practice very badly, you know, the theme song, Let It Go on the piano. And it's very empowering to build it all out <laughs> marvelous marvelous like mommy needs a moment <laughs> heading to the piano let it go exactly exactly marvelous. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah so actually why we the, the reason originally we said we would speak was about career change and i think that i really want to make sure that we we spend a bit of time on that because you are the expert of career change and industry change as well aren't you do you want to just talk us through i'm making a zigzag version with my fingers but can you just talk us through from where to where you went from yeah, yeah, yeah sure 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 sorry i realized i was going yes i am an expert on this i'm by no means an expert but it's kind of it's it's happened throughout my career quite nicely and quite deliberately at times as well so, so that's a main takeaway and we can maybe talk about some sort of tips in a moment but in a summary so i've worked for us government the us government i've worked for uk government i've worked for a un agency i've worked for paypal huge fintech organization global organization then i've worked in education imperial college and then moved into startup and scale up world and then with that have moved into advisory work through VC companies. So yes, it's been really interesting and varied moving to those different industries. And I'm really grateful I've done it because you pick up so many different skills and actually meet some pretty amazing people in that process that it really has enriched, I feel, my my career on a range of levels. Mm. So take us back to the moment, the first moment where you decided to change your career. Where were you and what made you switch to a different sector? Yeah, so I was in, I think the critical moment for me was I was in uh, the US Embassy in London and collectively I'd been there for 10 years. It was a long time, right? And I'd introduced LinkedIn to the embassy um, as a sort of recruitment solution and predominantly my role was recruitment. And I really enjoyed interacting with that company. And 
I really enjoyed the technology solution and I enjoyed swimming against the stream of how we do things normally around here, which pretty much has been a complete trend throughout my career. It's like, where's the stream? I'm going to swim against it. I can't help myself. And it was um, that moment I was like, okay, well, this is this is quite interesting. We had an ambassador, Ambassador Barson, who's also a tech background. And it just made me feel really alive and excited. And I realized there that, you know, actually, as much as I loved being in the environment that I was in and was working with lovely people, I really liked that buzz, right? And I'm from an entrepreneurial family. And I suppose my background with my family, they were like, go for a nice, secure job. This is what you want, you know, job for life, no stress, do that. And ultimately, the buzz and excitement I was getting from working with this other company, I was like, oh, I think this is me, right? And it's listening to that little voice and saying, you know, this might be risky, but let's give it a go. And there's no time like the present. So then, you know, I started looking at different jobs and different opportunities. And, you know, you have conversations with people and they're like, well, you've been at the embassy like 10 years. That's a long time. How will you be able to transition into other organizations or something or corporate? And the key for me at that point was saying, okay, well, learning how to sell myself and my experience, being incredibly focused and strategic in the companies that I was going after, and finding the common thread within my career or experience that I could transfer. So that those transferable skills that often are talked about, how can I move that over? And, you know, I started out my search applying for loads and loads of different jobs and getting told no, 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 no. And it used to make me feel really rubbish, quite frankly. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let's change, let's change my approach here and be very targeted on the companies I'm going after. The ones that will actually go, you know what? I could see how this could work here how the background, because actually the US Embassy is like any large corporate really, and they've got all these different departments and she's done things that are quite entrepreneurial within that environment. Let's give her an interview. And that's your, that was my inroad. Mm. And what, where did you end up at? So you went from the US Embassy. What was your first, um, I'm actually just looking at your LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's all beautifully up to date, but what was your next yeah. stop? So it was a move into PayPal. And it was literally two weeks after they split from eBay. So it was talk about being thrown in the deep end, quite frankly. Loads of systems to relearn, cultural massive shift for the organization. We scaled massively. I think it was like a thousand people hired in one year within my team. I mean, it was just everything was changed. And that was an incredible experience. Amy thinks some phenomenal people and, and brains. Getting that international experience was marvellous, but also tapping in again to the international experience I had with the US Embassy then and adding another piece, which was transformation, right? So going with a company at an incredible moment in history and also teaching that resilience, quite frankly, in navigating through ambiguity across different countries, across different teams, which, you know, it really was, it was an incredible opportunity at the time to really take those experiences on board and has carried me through the rest of my career since. 
So mm. it was a very intense time. Every second counted in that job. Mm. Every second. Mm. And from a practical perspective, was there anything that you, I mean, did you change how you approached organizations in the sense of, as in, did your CV look very differently, given that you moved from the government to the private sector? After PayPal or to the PayPal? Either, either. Do you adapt? You have to adapt. Oh, oh, absolutely. So my one takeaway, if anyone's listening to this, my one takeaway for you is, please don't apply for lots of jobs, right, that you think might be of interest. Be really targeted in every application you make. So, and try and be as self-critical as you can when you're making that application, right? So, tailor your CV, tailor your cover note to say exactly how your experience will match or as much as much as possible, but also sell how your experience is relevant. It might not seem immediately relevant to some, but it's down to you to make sure that that message gets across of how you're the best person for that job, right? So make it easy for the recruiter who's screening thousands of applications, right? give them the answers that they need and spend that time wisely, right? That really, really helps. And using the language as well from one industry to another. So, you know, the US government had very much its own language in some instances. So it was sort of translating it into corporate language and what, what that actually meant. Again, so it was easier for the recruiter so you can get your foot in the door, quite frankly. Mm. And how did you choose the different companies and I'm asking this because if you are moving from an, one industry to the next you might not have the network that tells you exactly what that company feels mm-hmm. like or what that employer feels like mm-hmm. and yet that's really important especially if we are parents who also want to look after children who want to work mm-hmm. in an environment where you you have that flexibility like you're describing mm-hmm. with your current job um did you do any work to understand that and how did you do yeah, definitely definitely so do your research there's a lot that's available online so look at glassdoor look at indeed look at just generally put a search in you know in google working at paypal or working at healthily or working wherever and then you'll get the responses that come up now you know glassdoor is it the bible truth give or take you know, you've got to go into it with an open mind, but you can do some research there. You can look on their own company website, see what they're talking about, culture, see what they're talking about, benefits for different different groups, carers, parents, et cetera. So again, it's actually thinking about, is this going to be right for me? Because often as well, you can get to a point when you're in job search where you're just like, oh no, I just want this job. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. You just go into it. But actually, it's like any relationship has to work both ways. So be really critical. Do your research. Get as much information as you can. If you get to interview, ask those difficult questions, right? It's not a one-way street, right? See if they're going to be as right for you as they think they may, you are for them, right? So it's taking a step back, I think. And if it doesn't feel right... It's not going to get better. <laughs> That's it as well. Listen to that inner voice, right? Do your research. Listen to that inner voice. If you've got any red flags, talk about them. Chances are it's not going to get better. The interview process, I call it like the Disney days. It's like the honeymoon period. It should be absolutely beautiful. If you've got any worries, 
and they can't be answered, don't go for it. Right? Don't compromise on it because it won't get better. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I think there is probably something that the market, the recruitment market is hotting up now, which allows you to hopefully be a little bit more mm. choosy, which is very, very important. And I would also say really try to see if you can speak to people who work for those employers. So I have a lot of friends in Switzerland who are doctors and they tend to be in environments. So it's, it's very much any, do- pretty much any post that they apply to, they will be offered a role because they're such a big doctors. But what they do is that they reach out to doctors who are already working at that hospital and ask those questions. How is it exactly? You know, are you being looked at badly when you're having to leave on time? How do your superiors treat you? And really try to understand that because that is so, 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 so important if you're, and that usually is the stuff that is not written on a website and in a beautiful, flexible working policy that is published online. Exactly. It's being bold about asking questions, right? Mm-hmm. And if you haven't got that contact immediately, seeing who you do have within contact, you know, second, third, God bless LinkedIn for their, their do you, you know, you might know people there, but I think it's a really good point, Verena. It's asking those questions, what is it really like on the ground? Definitely. And you, you said you worked for the UN, is that right? Yeah, my first job was a UN agency mm. in Holland. Um, mm. And that was just starting out my career. And that's how I ended up going into HR, funnily enough. Mm. So I left when I, when I graduated from university. I didn't want to be an accountant. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a management consultant. I was like, okay, uh, where shall I go? I'll go over to the uh, to um, Amsterdam. And um, my brother had a company over there, a recruitment company. I didn't work with him, but it was just my first job. I got in an HR and a recruitment role. And I think that would actually be a, a tip. I would say is. I've been fortunate in being able to take my chosen career to different industries and to develop my career into a more generalist framework as my career has progressed. It's quite helpful if you can kind of pick your function or your career and move with it. It gets trickier when you're trying to move industry and function as well. So, and trying to keep to vary what you do as well in the workplace, to dip your toe into other aspects within your specialism, to add more strings to your bow. So for me, I started off my career in recruitment, but I was always sort of doing a little bit of volunteer work with another section, maybe an HR, maybe performance management, maybe doing a bit of employment relations, So just testing the water, see if I like it, but also it just added some extra experience, which I could take with me and use as well when I'm applying for different jobs and say, yes, I know you're looking for this and I meet the criteria, but also I've got these other things that can help your company. So it's the sell for the job, but it's also the selling Beyond that, I, I can value add to your team. And it's really important, I think, to get that across and um, to take those opportunities. That's another thing. If, it, if the opportunity is there, maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I've got the bandwidth or you don't know if you have the bandwidth unless you try. Right. There's no harm in trying. So just give it a go. If it works, great. If it doesn't, not the end of the world. But you've opened a door there that may have not been done may not be otherwise. If I give an example of I've, I take took on in the summer an opportunity with Kohomai, who are an onboarding startup out of Berlin. 
as a strategic advisor for them. And I remember receiving the email and going, oh, my God, I've just found out I'm pregnant. I don't know if this is the right timing. And you're like, you know what? Let's give it a go. And it's worked out, you know, so far. So that's one thing I would say is really take those opportunities where the door is open to you and, mm. and give it a try. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm speaking to a lot of people at the moment who are keen to move into more purpose-driven roles. I love your idea about developing a specialism and taking that specialism with you across industries if you can. For you, obviously, it was recruitment in the right sense. But what advice would you have for people who want to move to an organization that is more focused on purpose, be that NGOs, UN, and so on. Is is there a commonality of what you can do with your private sector career or maybe your medical career if you want to move into that sector? Mm, yeah, I certainly, and it's interesting to see actually just from the people that I'm interviewing that are coming over to Healthily, there is a massive trend of people saying, I want to do a job that has more of an overarching purpose, obviously in health, health tech. So that fulfills that piece there. I think with, if you're moving into, you were wanting to move maybe more to charitable work or it's in UN or some role like that, it's a good idea to try and do some voluntary work within that area first, also for a number of reasons. What it'll actually test if that environment and that culture suits you. They can be very different cultures right? Working in a corporate organization, stereotypical corporate organization, and then stereotypical, very purpose-driven organization. You've got different, it appeals to different people, right? So try and, I keep saying dip your toe in the water, but whenever you can, try and try it before you make a major life change, which it would be changing industries in that extent. See if you like it. Talk to people if you can within your network, your network's network, ask for that 15-minute coffee. The worst they can say is no, but just go out there and use that. Also, try and attend different panels, right? The, again, one of the you know silver linings to what we've all experienced with COVID is that there's a lot more webinars, panels, et cetera, that are now available online that used to be in person. Go along to those, listen to them, grow your network that way. Maybe contribute a few sentences on chat or say something. But that's a way as well to kind of familiarize yourself with that environment. See if you're happy with it. See if it really is your passion, if it makes you feel alive. And then you can grow into it sort of quite gradually. I would say you don't necessarily need to make that decision overnight. I'm going to change industry in the next month. You can do it gently and try before you buy. I just love that criteria but it makes you become alive or feel alive. You've used that a couple of times. And I think that's such a powerful way to decide where you're spending your time. Yeah. There's a wonderful um, phrase by uh, Roald Dahl. And he's you know talking about do what makes you feel enthusiastic. Do what makes you feel alive. Lukewarm is not good enough. Living a lukewarm life. You know, the reality is that many of us spend eight hours of our life a day, right? Doing a job right? Yes, it pays the bills, but what about, you know, making your soul feel alive? Mm. And it's so important to try and find that somehow. Mm. Um, it really is. Very, very true. Yeah, there's so much I could ask you about. I'm interested in the 
I guess, what you've learned along the way about changing industries. So you've done it a fair number of times. Last time round, when you changed industries, is there anything that you've done differently compared to when you started your switches? Mm, switches. Good question. Good question. Good question. So much I've learned in that time. I'm trying to think of the later career points. I think in many ways, all roads have led to where I am now, though. So I would never say, actually, I regret doing anything or regret any moves or I'd actually do it differently. I'm one of these painfully optimistic people that is probably very irritating to some where everything has a purpose, right? Even if it feels like a kick in the teeth at the time, it has a purpose and it's meaning to send you in one direction. I really, really believe that. So I don't think I'd change anything. I suppose it's some sort of main takeaways I would say from sort of the latter part of my career is very much being open to if something doesn't necessarily work for you right then and there being open to suggest how it could work better for you I'll give you an example right so I went to from Imperial College, did a big transformation piece there on, on people through my network at PayPal. So talking about all roads leading, leaving somewhere. A couple of the guys I knew at PayPal had moved over, started YoYo, which was a, a startup scale-up fintech world. And I moved into that role, absolutely loved that role. It, it was sort of career career defining for me. And I just knew at that point, startup scale ups, absolutely my thing. I love it. It makes me feel alive, right? I absolutely love it. And the feeling of no red tape. And if something needs to be changed, you just change it. You just get on with it and you move fast. I was approached by Antler VC. Um, they were trying to find a VP people at the time. And they said, um, your profile looks really good. Could we have a talk? And I was like, look, I've kind of just started at Yo-Yo, really enjoy it. And I looked on their website, it looked really exciting. And I thought, well, look, I'm not right for this role right now, but I see that you've got advisory work, um, you know, voluntary advisory work that you can help with startups. So I was like, can I help there? And they're like, yeah, for sure, right? So it's kind of thinking about, just because somebody offers you one thing doesn't mean you have to take it. You can often counter offer and see how you can help them in some other way. And this, that move, that specific move opened up a whole new part to my career through the advisory work I do with startups, coaching founders. And it's, again, I think it's just being open to doing things differently as well and not accepting the first thing that actually can come your way. Mm, mm, that is very powerful. I, I, I find it very inspirational to hear you talk. Interesting. And if you did, it, it changed. Obviously, I'm sure you're not going to change career today. But if you did again in the future, is there something that you would do in preparation? Yeah. So that's the thing. So another piece of advice, what do they say? For the worst vice is advice. But another piece of advice I would say, you know, think about what your career is now. How can I do it brilliantly? How can I make the most of my time when I'm working, especially actually as a working parent or carer? How can I make that great? Then also, beyond adding value to the company, how can I add value not only to my career right now, but the next step? So think about your next step. And actually, 
that's totally fine. That's more than fine. It is no longer the world of jobs for life, right? We need to think ahead for our own mental sanity. It's nice to have something to look forward to as well and, you know, think about where life's going to take you. But also it's smart, actually, to diversify and to see how actually your next step could look. And it's preparing for the future. So I'd say definitely, you know, think about where you're great at the moment. Where are the gaps? How are you going to fill those in your current role? How can your current company benefit from that as well as you? And to kind of broker that and make that work. And actually use the advice of the people that you work with closely every day, right? I'm fortunate enough that I have a a really good relationship with our CEO, Mateo. I wish there was more. Mateo's out there in that world. I'm not just saying that because he's my current boss, but you know, we have very open conversations about career and where you're going and having those feedback sessions where it's kind of like just being very open and honest and looking at where your career can go and getting the opinion of somebody else's eyes, right, of where they think your career could go as well and to open up different possibilities and opportunities. Getting another viewpoint can be really, really helpful. So that would be some takeaways I would offer. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I've really enjoyed talking to you, um, but I've just had a look at the clock and (laughs) I've been told... I've been told to keep the podcast to the length of an average commute, which is about 45 minutes or so in, in London. I was just interested. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't explored yet that you want to say? Or well, we've covered a lot of points there. There's one thing that I want to say, and it's actually a personal thank you to you and your podcast. So I first came across the podcast through a recommendation from Baby and Bump, right? My daughter was four months old. COVID, the first lockdown just happened. I was looking for podcasts to listen to when we had our hours exercise a day. At the time, I was thinking I I want to move on to another opportunity. The world was very unsettled. And there was ambiguity everywhere, right? And thank you for putting this together because the wonderful women and men that I listen to on your podcast really helped give me that extra energy to move forward with this next stage of my life. And I will always be incredibly grateful for it. It always used to put a a spring in my step when I'd listen to it. And, you know, I'd be looking at my daughter, pushing the pram, listening to these wonderful people, sharing their experiences and thoughts. And it gave me some great hope and inspiration for, you know, life actually I'm, I'm living now. So thank you very much. That is so nice. It makes me so happy because you sit here and obviously I do this because I want to make a difference to people, but I never meet <laughs> listeners as such. So yeah, that makes me feel really happy. Thank you. And likewise, thank you for being a really committed mentor on the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. I know that you really make a difference through that. And and I guess, the, you know, the mentoring is such an important part of the fellowship program. And I really, really appreciate it. It only works because people like you are ready to invest in, in others. So yeah, big thank you. Yeah, my pl- absolutely my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this as well. I'm like, oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm really touched to be um, to have this opportunity. So thank you. I'm thrilled. And um, where can people find out more about you or your work? 
LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. I am super cool about connections, not an issue at all. Please drop me a line if you want any thoughts or, you know, experiences shared or dare I say advice, more than happy to connect. I think, uh, you know, if I can pay forward any of the things that I've learned, I'd be delighted to do so. And whoever's listening out there who's maybe at a crossroads and they're feeling uncertain, you know, please feel reach out to, to reach out to me, speak with your network, speak to your nearest and dearest, and you can find a way forward. You absolutely can. It is more than possible. Thank you. That's very inspirational. And I look forward to seeing you on the 18th to have you as a speaker at our launch event for the fellowship oh, program. Can't wait. Can't wait, Verena. Thank you so much for listening today. If this has been helpful to you in any way, please help me make a bigger impact by sharing it with three of your friends that need to hear these things right now and also sharing it on social media. And thank you to everyone who's done it already. You can follow us on leaders underscore plus on Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn. If this is the first time listening and you enjoy it, then click the subscribe button. And if you are looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals, then definitely consider joining our fellowship program. We have some hardship funds places on every cohort, so you don't have to be you don't have to work for a supportive employer necessarily. You can register on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Have a wonderful rest of the week and hopefully we'll be in touch again next week. Bye.